This episode of Inside the Goblin Universe brought to you by Goblin Media. We bring the rabbit hole to you. My name's John Downs. I'm the founder of the Center for Fortune Zoology, and you're listening to Inside the Goblin Universe. Hello, folks, and welcome again to another edition of Inside the Goblin Universe. I am one of your hosts. My name is Ronald Murphy. I'm Brian Bowden, the other host, or the other white meat. <laughs> That's what the ladies say, Brian. That's nah, what the ladies say. You know. <laughs> That's just the way we roll. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's going to be a good show tonight, but I want to tell you, you know, I attended the, uh, the Kecksburg UFO Festival over the weekend. It was very well attended. A few thousand people there. Right. Uh, about the uh, UFO crash. I can remember the UFO crash there in uh, December of uh, 1965. 19, what, what year was the crash again? That was December of 1965. 1965. That's like yes. the East Coast Roswell. It is. It's Pennsylvania's Roswell. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it it seems that you know uh, how how was it? I mean, it, it seemed I saw some pictures with you with uh, some tinfoil on your head. Well, you have to stay protected from our alien overlords; so they don't take over. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's cool though because they have a mock-up of the uh, supposed flying saucer there. It's an acorn-shaped uh, uh, craft, and uh, it was made for the television series Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. If people can remember that from the eighties, and yes. the uh, production. Yeah, production crew actually uh, donated it uh, to the town of Kecksburg, and it stands there today on its own little pedestal. Nice. I remember that show. I remember uh, uh, that was a great program. That was like cryptozoological ghost paranormal before its time. It was like murders. You would have like a, a show about somebody killing his wife, and like the next episode, it was about big Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's a pretty that's cool a show. Pretty cool show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah, take it. But you know what, Brian? There's other cool shows out there. Not only is Inside the Goblin Universe one of these kind of cool all-on-card shows, but there's another show out there as well, isn't there? Yes, there's a big show out but we do have a great, great show. We have a great guy on this show. He is a host of his own right. He does uh, several radio programs and podcasts, but the Crypto Normal podcast is what we're talking about and that is hosted by our guest tonight chris edge chris welcome to inside the goblin universe how you doing today hey gentlemen thanks for having me on the show glad to be here i'm doing great how are you guys oh uh, we're i think we're doing good <laughs> yeah. Ron? and i do like the name of your uh, your show crypto normal let's bring this into the normal folks let's just have this as an open <laughs> forum of debate yes. i love the show uh I, I i i am interested of course in cryptids that's my my bread and butter sort of sort of thing but uh so you do have an interest, and you do focus a lot on one of my favorite cryptids, although he's kind of the new kid on the block, and that is the Dogman. Yes, he is the new kid on the block. He, uh, one of the popular, very big subject going on. It is one of the, I, I think, number two cryptid, really, in the in the uh, cryptid world. I mean, it's it's suppressed Mothman and a whole lot. It, it, there's, I could give you about maybe a good, like, close to... 2,000 reports every six months, close to that, maybe yeah. more. You know, there's so many reports of these creatures. It's incredible. And I've never seen I, – I think as time goes on, our the reports are just growing large and they get larger and larger as time goes along. It, it's, it's, it's there. And I'm surprised by this. Because I am you, too. 
I, I got to be honest with you guys. You know, I, when I first got into the subject of what a dogman is, I, I was like, so this is a werewolf. This is some sort of creature that has a resemblance to a werewolf, but it's not a werewolf. And then after doing some research and I find out, well, there's a whole bunch of types and it kind of freaks me out because this is one creature I would never want to run into. I'll I wouldn't mind a Sasquatch, yeah. but I can't mind a dime line. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I was asked that by Vic Tundiff once. He said, uh, given your druthers, what would you rather meet? And um, I said, hands down, uh, Bigfoot. I, I don't want to meet a dog man at all. Um, that thing is a, a 12-foot killing machine. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather meet a cracked addict than run into a dog. So why are people interested in the dog man? Why do you think it has captured our imagination uh, so much? I think one of, the th- one of the perspectives about it is it does have that – werewolf mystique to it so if people like horror films and they're not that much into the paranormal it still has that draw that there might be a werewolf type thing lurking in the woods but what is your take on this whole thing well the funny thing is is and this is what i also remind some people about it because i am also an administrator of several groups on facebook with a dogman subject and we get a lot of new people who are interested and fascinated with the phenomenon and i always tell them straight out that you never want to run into one these things are you know everybody who i've spoken to interviewed and have had the pleasure to hear their story you know it it changes their lives completely and i think the number one thing that gives them that ptsd i always get people that come in and ask all these questions in regards to like what is a dog man is it like this terrifying cryptid you know the whole nine yards and just like what Vic says in his intro, you know, when he does a show, it's always like, you know, we're going to explore one of the most terrifying cryptids because it is terrifying. Everybody I've spoken to, interviewed, has always had a very terrifying encounter. It's always traumatized them. I have veterans. I have people who've been around for a long time who refuse to go into the woods, who refuse to do their daily activities, such as they'll go to work at 8 o'clock when it's daylight be out of work by three or four or even six depending on uh daylight savings because it's traumatizing to them and i agree with that i mean if you i've interviewed and i've spoken to i had a couple people in my home state who have had encounters and it's bothered them terribly and it's the idea that it's just the way and i have a think it has a lot to do with its appearance because you know we've all seen horror movies we've all seen werewolf movies when we watch our underworld, our – I'm not going to count Twilight because that's yeah. – you know, <laughs> How about know, the Howling? We'll go with the, the Howling. Howling. Yeah. howling, American Werewolf are definitely there with that. Yeah. Dog Soldiers even too. You know, Van Helsing, you know, people who have seen those movies will see that the creatures in those movies are so identical and similar. And I've always had that little conspiracy that there was always some sort of higher power that was always on movie sets. That filtering in all the truth, you know, literally, yes. And I've it's just a it's a whacked out conspiracy, but it it could possibly be the case because I think there's been maybe four people I've spoken to that had came out and said that it looked like the the creature from the howling, you know, like literally just straight out. And I was like, really, that was pretty surprising because what you would think you'd see. And from the descriptions of what you read in Linda's books, Vic's books, is um, like – well, not Vic's books, but of course on his radio show. But um, 
you get like the menacing typical coyote wolf hybrid half man and there's so many different variants there's like you know i even i've even believed that the relics uh skinwalkers uh, as well as the reptilian breed right which is not really dived into but that's because it's hard to prove when you look at creatures like the honey island swamp monster for example the lore behind it and you see the idea that this thing has a similar build half reptilian half man half ape the folklore behind it you got people who are from the area that will say it literally is like a rep it's reptilian as an attribute similar to that so it doesn't surprise me if sasquatch and dogmen are similar in reptilian dna that there's a sort of a crossbreed or this is the uh, a result of a government experiment gone wrong such as in the mothman theories that it is a Government experiment, like Plum Island, for example. I'm assuming you guys are familiar with Plum Island. I know it very well. <laughs> quite a quite a scary area, but yes. um, you know, people think you know, men, like majority, especially when it comes to skeptics, when it comes to like the idea that it's like experiment gone wrong or it's a conspiracy, you know, the secret stories behind it. I actually was on another show a couple of weeks ago, um, and a guy who used to work for NASA was telling me some uh, intel about something with crossbreeding, certain animals, certain mixes, and dogmen could easily be the case. And if that's the case, then it just goes to show you that, you know, we have a lot more on our plate between cover-ups and experiments and the fact that these are these creatures that are roaming the woods. And it's a scary thought because let's just say there's that one family that's going out to the Poconos or in general goes out and to the woods and it's on a just regular camping trip. They see one, they've seen bears, they've seen deer before, but see one of these things and it reacts differently and carnage happens. And then it becomes a huge, huge conspiracy. Same thing. That's basically what LBL was. So, you know, it's, it's a scary thought that they exist. I've actually had a guy tell me that he wished they never did exist. And I have to agree with that statement because, you know, like I said, I'd rather uh, shake the hands and deal with a crack addict than deal with a dog man. Even a Sasquatch. I wouldn't mind yeah. dealing with a Sasquatch. You know, but I think those are the more laid back, even though that there are vicious ones. But the point of the matter is the ones I've ran into and heard of aren't as uh, – bad compared to uh, a very uh, PO'd dog man, so yes. to speak. They're not as aggressive. Right, right. Correct. And, and you mentioned the land between the lakes incident a little bit. Let's talk about that. Let, let, let's fill in the blanks for a lot of our listeners that might not be so uh, familiar with this particular case. Well, LBL is a national recreation park in Kentucky. It's basically covering up Lake Barkley and Tennessee uh, Gap. It was originally called, prior to 1963, uh, Between the Rivers. It was originally a Native American woodland filled with your basic. It was basically pre-20th century. Everything was basic, simple life, similar to the original 13 original colonies, similar, just regular living life, same thing as that. And then entering the Prohibition era slash the um, early modern era, there was a um, JFK decided to go ahead and change, turn the area into a park. And from there, 
became LBL. And, you know, you have your your campsites, you have your canoeing, everything. But one little detail that's left out of every LBL case is a story involving a a bunch of things between paranormal, between uh, vampires that used to live in this abandoned uh, house to a beast that is reported in the area. And the locals will even – when you have a crew, for example, that comes to Kentucky and they go to LBL, in the area, the people who live around there – because it's also a neighborhood too. There's like small – it's basically like just your – the next half mile down is another house, basically. But in regards to the locals, people will come in and they'll they'll be like, "Oh, I guess you're here looking for the beast." Well, have fun. You're not going to find much. You know, literally, it's one of those things where the locals know about it so much that they get so tired of people coming in. But the point of the matter is, is that you know, the people who have seen this thing, more importantly, have heard all the stories it's the idea that a creature exists that can do such a thing is the scary part and the fact is is that i've actually i actually spoke to a guy who was in lbl who really you know he would go out at night and walk his dog and and people also gotta remember too that this is also there's bears in the area cougars um you know, it's not just your typical creature, beast, or in general spirits. It's also your typical wildlife. And, you know, he, he even said he gets a weird vibe. And he's been camping all his life. The, I think what really makes it scary is that when you hear the stories, your whole perception of the place changes. Because it's the fear process that there's something out there. So it's like your typical horror movie. But um, going forward, uh, for those who don't know the stories, well... We're going to go through the beast because it's the most popular story, as well as talking a little bit about in the area. But the beast of LBL, um, the stories that have been recorded have been changed drastically throughout the years. You know, it originally came from Jan Thompson, who is another popular researcher. She actually had an encounter with one, too. She documents it in uh, Phantoms and Monsters. Um, Barton Nolly, uh, Jody Cook, but... The, the most accurate stories I've put together come from each of those variations in to further adapt for what I'm saying is it's basically the real what went down between what Jan said because she heard it from the sheriffs what happened um, in the 80s there was this family that was found completely mauled disarrayed killed literally blood limbs was torn all over the place a talon was found in the area too and there was this um, couple that were walking amongst this trail that saw this the couple were so terrified that they called the sheriff's department and said look we're not going to give you we're not going to be here we're going to give you the address you got to see this for yourself this is no bs but we can't be here it's just we get a bad vibe from it. Sheriffs call it in, get the address, arrive. Now, the funny thing is, too, is that the, the LBL game wardens, the park rangers, they don't – they know what's out there, but they just – it comes to it, a lot. Right, exactly. They can't literally go to this 
couple or family and say, oh, by the way, uh, there's a beast that runs the woods and you get or roams the woods. I'm sorry. And just, you know, keep an eye out because that ends up they lose their revenue. And more importantly, the season becomes a drought because they say something that's along the truth, but at the same time could be government cover up that divides between people just saying screw it but going forward so the sheriffs arrive they find a a married couple uh, a young boy who was brutally disarrayed they actually they called in six coroners from a couple different counties and each time they had a hard time identifying which one was what and it was that much of a serious case now they went into the RV place was totally disarrayed, totally ruined, nothing inside, everything, blood, everything was torn up. Uh, they saw a dress. So there was a little girl and the little girl wasn't in there, but the sheriffs were like, okay, well, if hopefully she's okay or alive, they go for a walk. They look around the trail about half a mile away. One of the sheriffs is looking around, and then he can feel like a bit of dribs and drabs of blood coming from his hat. And he takes a look up on top and sees on the tree branch this little girl completely disarrayed, torn up. And the government, according to the next part of the story, um, the feds get involved. Uh, They come in. They tell these two sheriffs, like, look, you guys can leave. And... They went to this local market where Jan happened to be, and they were just sitting there, just speechless, didn't know what to say. And then they eventually opened up the Jan and said, hey, look, and this is what happened, and so and so. Now, that was the first reported incident of LBL, the Beast of LBL, from what was told by her. They did a further investigation to two sheriffs. It actually, it turns out that after the incident, a couple months go by, the two, one of the two sheriffs actually retired from the force for unknown reasons. My bet was most likely because of the incident, while the other one is believed to still be on in duty, in the line of duty, or is deceased or went on to better endeavors. It's unknown what happened to the other one because she only kept in contact with the one that told the story the most. And from there, that was basically what happened in that case. There was also um, DNA results, according to one of the sheriffs that told the story when they, she was he was talking to Jan, said that they, he did a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a private look into the investigation, and he it, it came out to be a unknown animal DNA that was either wolf. Or half man, half wolf. Yeah, but the, it was under wraps. This this whole scene was was such a bloodbath. Um, they didn't know what they were dealing with, and they've never seen anything like this from a creature that normally inhabits the area. Um, and the fact that a whole entire family was slaughtered was really getting to most of these investigators. Um, but. The DNA and, and the information coming back, what they were finding test results, was blowing their mind. I think this is one of the first, if not the major, dogman slash werewolf case ever. Um, you know, people well, that, well, that we about know it. of. Yeah, that we know yeah, that we of. Know I, of. Think, 
I think one of the telling things here is there was a government agency involved, which seems to suggest that these things happen periodically. And there is a, uh, a scenario already in play, a strategy to kind of cut off any kind of information from leaking out after these incidents. Most certainly. And it gets better, too. There's even more that from the area. You know, it, keep it, going. Keep going. We'll talk about Dogman for a while. Um, so following this incident, um, and you guys hit the nail on the coffin right there with the, you know, it, it does happen frequently because there's a lot of cover up in a lot of areas, you know, Germantown, Ohio, for example, when Jody talks about it, you know, it, it's wild. There's so many reports. There's so many missing people. And even though uh, the missing 411 has been controversial for a while due to the fact that, you know, how true are some of these cases? How do we know for sure? But, you know, there's so many people that go missing in the world and there's so many, you know, hunters, hikers, campers that just go missing. And it's unknown, like what the cause is. Everybody likes to label it as a bear attack. But was it really a bear attack? Or was it just another creature such as a DM or a Bigfoot that decided to go ahead and, you know, dig into this person? Well, it's really really interesting, though, because every once in a while you get a report that comes out that someone slips up. And actually, this happened probably no more than two months ago. A report was uh, released by um, out in the Midwest, uh, actually Arizona or New Mexico area, warning people of a strange animal that was uh, very aggressive and responsible for multiple deaths. And oh, that yeah, was, I heard that, about that. that. That just that came out. They were very vague about it, but um, people out there would call these uh, skinwalkers or uh, wendigos. Um, same, similar-ish type of uh, creature in, a, in many ways. Um, but so every once in a while, you'll get a slip-up. It's very rare, but if you're paying attention, you'll find them, though. You know, you want to know what's funny too. We, we and my amid team at the admin team, in one of the groups, we were talking about that for a whole straight day. Just like you know, oh yeah. So did you guys hear about the strain, that little leak that uh, was brought to the public? I, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> you know, for for once, there's some sort of truth to something because it's hard to tell people about this stuff unless you're a firm believer and you know that there's something out there. Here's the difference between where, where things take place, right? So if you're on, on reservation land, the, the U.S. government doesn't really care about it unless there's some kind of financial benefit from it. Unless they want to put a pipeline through it and they don't care. Let's put the pipeline through let them get out of it. Um, but when you're talking about something that brings in a tremendous amount of revenue for a state in the area, uh, case in point, you know, LBL, um, you can't ruin, you know, you can't throw out the, the baby with the bathwater. So you got to do everything you can to keep it under wraps. Um, but thanks to, you know, like um, your show and also like Vic's show, um, there's a couple other people out there. This is coming out. This this seems to be the hot cryptid of the, the last year and a half, two years. Um, I've been on Vic's show uh, talking about it. I've had my own experiences with this this creature in multiple different ways. Um, the last one was I, I pretty much marked my territory no more than, I don't know, 50 feet in front of this, of a creature that was just staring there, looking at both me and uh, my buddy Al when we're doing an investigation. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why, why it didn't do anything, but after I marked, it kind of went down and it disappeared. And at that point we got out, but you, this is such a scary 
encrypted. Ron knows. I mean, Ron has a, a huge volume on Dogman, right? Um, I, do, I do. Yes, yes. So he knows. He knows the history of these of these creatures, and it's not only in the United States. It's global. Oh yeah, it's very ancient as well too. I, my my book was uh, on Dogman, tracking the werewolf through history, and I mean we have we have some stunning cases of the Dogman, such as Anubis in Egypt. But I mean, if you go back, there's 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 even bizarre Roman festivals from the second and third century BC that revolves around the idea of a person transforming into an animal. Yeah, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you too, uh, Brian, was that at Nuclear Lake? Um, at Nuclear Lake, we 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 feel we found a a, a place a den, and we we actually captured a creature creatures within the den. Uh, clearly, they had dogish qualities to it, but another one kind of had that. Um, if you know anything about dogman type threes, uh, you know when they put them in there, it was more of a dogman type three. Um, it was massive. I, I kid you not, the head oh, wow. of this thing was absolutely massive. Uh, not not as aggressive, and I I find that when you get into that the dogman type three, which may lean more towards the Bigfoot realm, they're they got the best of both worlds. They can destroy whatever they want, but they they're not as aggressive going out there unless I guess they're protecting their their young or I'm sure if they're hungry. But I, I'll throw up the I'll throw up the uh, pictures on uh, our inside the Goblin Universe our group so you can see them again, uh, and I'll even have Al chime in on there. But the but the other dog man. I mean, I had an experience when I, I during Thanksgiving when I went down to Maryland. Um, at the same time, I was having an experience. Al had one a couple of days earlier by his house with a couple of dogmen off a highway. Oh yeah, I remember hearing the story he was telling on on his show. So it, it was it was a very weird experience. I was at a, a hotel. I was looking around, and I literally said at one point when I was looking through these woods, not thinking because I'm not I'm not there for investigative purposes even though I sometimes do that when I go out, um, you know, this is more family-based. I just got that feeling like this is very squatchy. And then it, I started getting a feeling where after seeing some eye shine in, in the distance, you just get this uncomfortable feeling like you're being watched, you're being targeted. And um, as I told Vic, at the, at the, after the third cigarette, I, said, I put it out early. I said, I got to go. Um, I went back inside. I literally put a chair up in front of, door, of the door of the hotel I was staying in, it wouldn't have done anything. But um, it was a very unnerving experience. And that's what you get from this specific cryptid, um, you know, this creature, is a lot of people that are just, they just don't feel good after seeing this, it, be it nightmares, or you got some of these tough guys out there that, um, you know, pretty tough individuals, and they're terrified of going in the woods again. You know, it's well, a crazy creature. Absolutely. And you know what? The funny thing is, too, that I've noticed is um, tobacco seems to be a popular trend with them because I had interviewed a guy specifically on my show, and he was also on Vic's show, too. And by the way, you and Al's episodes on D Dogman Encounters was fantastic. I love those episodes. <laughs> I especially love the... I always, I always like every everybody's episodes, but, you know, of course, for fellow researchers in the field I speak to, you know, I just had to compliment a fantastic episode. Very scary to do at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but, it, uh, it was scary. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't blame you, man. I'm not, I'm not I'm, you know, I'm not afraid. It's, some people are like two men, 
you know, to admit it, but I'm not afraid to admit it. This is something that I, I think you need a bazooka to take one of these things out. That's how big this thing is. And uh, like, like the scene in Grizzly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, I, but that's common sense though. I think whenever you're around these things, even if you're just in the, uh, in the territory of them, you have that instinct of flight or fight and fight never comes into play. It's always to get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, I've been in Western Pennsylvania in areas that were supposed to be the home <laughs> of these dogman type creatures and in one particular area we even found a cave that would have been a remarkable lair and uh, two of the people in our group decided to go investigate it further but there was no way i was going to get into that cave because number one i have a fear of enclosed spaces and number two is i have a terrible fear of being mauled by a dogman well that's a healthy fear there Ron. that's right exactly <laughs> i think that's a normal thing but but don't you think now let me ask you this this is a very philosophical question don't you think that we as human beings have this fear simply because we've encountered these things throughout our history? Like it's pre-programmed yes. in our DNA? Yes, absolutely. There's a cultural memory of these things so embedded into who we are as human beings that we know instinctively not to pursue these things because of the kind of hell that they've done to us in our distant past. I have had people come up to me straight out, message me out of the blue, tell me that when they were kids, I had a woman who came on my show multiple times and she's told me that she's felt these things in her blood really since she was a little girl. Now, there was cases where she was younger where she would see these things there was one incident where this creature actually picked her up like a, a baby and cradled her and was uh, was most likely a female dog man because I've always tended to see them more of like the motherly instinct, the more of the less aggressive, but they can also be aggressive, especially around the, if so, a human's around their young compared to the males where the males are like our, the typical race of aggressive, tough and could easily be the case and you know for you guys too and i'll even admit it you know even if i were to see one i've never had an encounter thank god but you know i'm bound to have one eventually you know people i've i've read an interesting theory that some people who have dreams will have dreams something mysterious right you actually and, were just talking about that recently. See, we're, we're friends also outside of the uh, interview land, um, and you were having a, a, some, a series of dreams recently, weren't you? Yes, yes. And, you know, I spoke to a couple people about it. They even said that it can mean a few different things. A, either they're trying to send you a message that you're going to either have an encounter or you're just – fascinated with them so much that your brain your your mind is so intact with them that you just think of them in your sleep and then there's the other theory and i found this out from another researcher who said that you could easily have a few people in your life that you don't get along with or are not your true friends that they could be representations of them of them picking on you or stirring up heat with you and it's an interesting theory when you get deep into it because it could easily be any of the cases so to speak well you know it it's it's an interesting thing where 
um, if we go back to Native Americans, they know about these creatures and they know about the, the Sasquatch. And they know that these two creatures uh, have gone to battle with each other. They kind of coexist, but that's about it. Um, barely coexist. Uh, I, I, from from all my research of this creature, initially I started by saying, yeah, this is a load of bunk. You know? So then you start interviewing people, you start hearing things from very reputable people that have more to lose than gain that are discussing this thing. And there's validity there. But then you have your own personal experiences with something that you're just uncomfortable with. Um, so I don't know if it's, it's ingrained in you, if, if that is a representation of your family or friends or what have you. Um, I know some people also that agree that, that if, you're, if you're thinking about it a lot or you're dreaming about them, it's a warning sign that something's going to happen. And a warning as in not a good good thing. It's to take heed to the message. Because these things are, you'll never see one of these creatures being the superhero. You know, they're the villain. That's a great way to put it. I have to agree with that statement. That is a really great way to put it. You know, I think for so for a lot of people who there have been some cases where some not really aggressive, they'll give you the signs of like, get out of my face or get out of my sight and out of my territory, but they'll, they won't do anything. They'll just look at you. And I always, and you know, I, I don't know if you guys ever really talked about it, but you guys are familiar with the whole telepathic connection Yes. When it comes to these creatures. Yes. With how people, when they see one, an encounter would be like, feel like three minutes, but it was really a minute. But I could feel it kind of talking with me. There was a woman on Brave Road, for example, who was driving slowly when she saw this thing on the side eating a carcass. And she looked at it, looked at her, and it gave us that, that sign of like, you know, yeah, I know who you are. Don't mess with me. Just keep driving and we'll end this quick type scenario. And it's a scary thought because if they can talk to you telepathically, they can outsmart you a thousand different ways and you won't even realize it. It's that type of instinct. And, it, and I kind of compare it to like the Planet of the Apes thing because there's that theory that they could easily be at the end of days, the animals that come out of the wild and will be the sole survivors of the of the planet it's a whacked out theory but so many who follow the subject believe it oh there's there's a ton of different theories out there that's one of them another theory i i heard of is um that they're they're a genetic engineering experiment through the u.s military that's why there's now a lot more military personnel involved whenever there is a dm uh, document experience um they usually come in quick. They take care of the scene. They get out. Uh, police are told to just keep quiet. Um, telepathically, I don't know how much of it is actually telepathic as much as it may be called something like infrasound, um, which, you know, they uh, exude um, somehow, and it, it just preys on your, your thought process uh, at a, a different yeah. level, like a fear cage. Yeah. Right. Another time I was on the track of a, of a suspected dog man in uh, my local area of Western Pennsylvania. Um, we were, uh, it was, it was at night, it was well after midnight and uh, there was something 
shadowing us in the woods, right in the bushes to our right-hand side. And uh, the partner that I was with, uh, neither he nor I saw the creature, uh, but we knew instinctually what it was. We knew that it was uh, on four legs. We knew that it had sharp teeth. We knew it had these piercing eyes. And we also knew that we were being stalked by it. Now, how do we both have that same image within our mind? Uh, because we compared notes after the fact. We each went to a different room while other people of our group uh, kind of interviewed us and we came up with the same thing. How is that possible unless there was something projected in our mind? And infrasound makes a perfect sense and you know what like that's what that's something when it comes to skeptics when they come into the field that they they don't quite understand that there is a connection between us and them because if we can get off sensories and say the same thing and we can feel it you can't tell me that it's not we, we it's nothing that we don't practice or rehearse so we can give a skeptic a show it's just because we feel it it's a connection now there are people who are the skeptics that i know there's and this is another whacked out theory but it could possibly be the case skeptics with dm and even general sasquatch or even mothman or in general they tend not to get those vibes because it's like a negative energy that they bring and that negative energy eventually turns into what would be you don't believe in it, but we'll show you how we'll make you a believer. So a scary case, a scary scenario equals a scary reaction, which would be making this skeptic either change their perception, uh, get a change of underwear, or at the same time, <laughs> uh, literally cry to, about and say, where are you, mom? I need you because it is that of a terrifying encounter. And I don't, and I always label everybody who has an encounter with one a terrifying encounter because it is. Even if it's just so simple as I saw it leap across the road, it's the fact that it's this giant creature that could rip my head off at any second and I won't even feel it. And it's a, a very intimidating beast. And, and one of the other factors is as, as you start researching this, this creature and this cryptid, you know that they don't work solo. There's usually, they usually work in pairs, uh, in a pack. And one of the interesting things, if you see one straight ahead of you at 12 o'clock, you bet your ass there's one at 6 o'clock or making its way towards yep. 6 o'clock. So one suggestion is to not, not only be aware of what's in front of you, but around you and your surroundings. Um, a lot of times I've, I've heard where these things have given the opportunity for the, the individual to get out. Um, it's not often, but it's enough where they're conscious of, yeah, I could destroy you in a second. You need to leave now. And they'll back, you know, people will back away. I've also heard of other cryptids like uh, Sasquatch that have prevented an encounter because they knew the dogman was ahead and they stopped human beings from going any further, scaring them off, thus saving their lives. So um, it, it's a really weird creature. It, it can leap 60 feet without even thinking about it. Uh, it could be in a tree. A lot of uh, we have somebody that we're very good friends with in um, upstate New York. This woman had a uh, the footprints 
on the floor, and then they had a, a, a handprint on their front door, and they were trying to figure it out because the handprint was inverted, so the fingers were pointing to the ground. And I was the one that said the reason why it's pointing to the ground is because this creature was on your roof. And that is classic dogman type style. Um, they they are, for some reason, they're aware of everything that's going around there. They know how to, to mess with people. They'll ring your bell in the front and the back. They want you to come out for whatever reason. And it, they're, they're pretty scary. They're very aggressive in that, in that nature, premeditated. Whereas Bigfoot, for example, I think is not as premeditated. Um, it just goes about its business, and then there's an encounter. And then when you talk about Mothman, which, you know, hopefully we'll see, learn more down at, at the Mothman Festival coming up, um, that creature has always been like a, a warning beacon. Something's going to happen when it appears. When you see a Mothman appear, something bad's going to happen. Case in point, the bridge in uh, Point Pleasant. Well, you know what? I mean, I'm not doing it to be skeptic, but and I don't want to classify myself as a skeptic. But I mean, when it comes to the whole warning thing with the Mothman, I've always had a kind of a bit of a loose eye for it because, I mean, for example, Silver Bridge is one thing. There was the Blackbird of Chernobyl, which was most likely the Mothman in that case when uh, the Chernobyl disaster happened in '86. But, um. My thing is, is that, you know, there have been so many disasters since 9-11, past 16 years, right. that if he was here to warn us, he would be at everywhere. He has that ability. He could, there is an interdimensional theory that he can just teleport or it's – and this is also with Dogman. You know, there is like a glimpse you could see it and then it just vanishes, interdimension. And even Linda Godfrey said something about it too with water spirits and portals when I was doing her her interview. And she was even telling me this stuff and I was blown away by it because it kind of class, but that can also be indifference to a theory or it is true because there are people that say, oh, I can see one for a couple seconds and it just vanishes. And then that's it. But going back to Mothman real quick, you know, people I, – I just feel that in a way if that he was here to warn us, then he would be everywhere. You know, when the UK terrorist attacks were going on, there was no glimpse. There was no sign of him. There was no evidence of him, not that I know of at least. So it's like if he's a, if he's a warner or a, a fear monger of tragedy, then why is it that he's not everywhere? Maybe the Chicago thing right now is that there may be something going down in Chicago that's going to be bad or it's just – misidentified creatures but like i said i don't want to go into the skepticism problem right you know i, I mean it, every, the theory about i heard about interdimensional until we had that experience at nuclear lake i wasn't even thinking that possible but that explains a lot of going from point a to point b really quickly in the pitch black dark forest um one of the things that go back to infrasound is um if you ever see pictures of bigfoot and Bigfoot's aware of the photos being taken and gets get caught, caught off, uh, by surprise. I think it uses infrasound to actually mask itself. It makes it look like it's disappearing, but it's still there. It puts a cloak on because most of the pictures you'll see are blurry of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. But the surrounding area around them is clear. So I'm thinking with Dogman, it, they have that ability as well. But seeing you know, my research, uh, we have a lot more Dogman sightings on the East Coast 
um, of this country, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Ron, you're in Dog, Dogman Central. Um, I am. I'm lucky. I'm lucky enough. That's why I can do all my research right here. Yeah, and 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 one of the theories I had is Pennsylvania has a large, extensive cave system. Cave system. That goes into Ohio and, and Michigan and Kentucky and New York. And these things, if you know the cave system, you know where the ins and outs are. And you know where a hole is. You can just be seeing them when they get to a spot where they can just scurry right back down to. Um, there's tons of stories of these creatures coming out of the, the center of the earth. Are these inner interdimensional beings, you know, inner earth beings? And you know what? That's funny how you brought that up about the tunnel system because that's actually something that's not really discussed a whole lot is the tunnel system of the caves or in general. I call it either or, but it's just like, you know, there's that big connection between Michigan, Kentucky, Pennsylvania. It's interesting. And that just happens to be hotspots where the most sightings take place. So you makes you kind of scratch your head thinking, well, maybe there is this connection and it's all around. And you know, people tend to forget one of the final things I wanted to talk about in dogman terms was the evidence when it comes to evidence. You know, people tend to, in evidence, they – we get a lot of blurry blobs and in that case, which I can understand to an extent because, you know, as believers, we're just trying to stretch the truth and get decent evidence. I've never been sent – HD evidence. I know Vic has. I know Linda has. I know Jody has. Right. But, you know, the point of the matter is, is that people don't share evidence sometimes because of ridicule. And when ridicule comes, people don't want to have that. And uh, it sounds a little out of it, but the point of the fact is, is that, you know, people just disarray so many people about, you know, encounters so much. It, it's so current and it's unfortunate because so many people probably do have this encounter, but people don't believe it. And they're not going to release the evidence or anything because they, they feel that they're being ridiculed for no reason. And then there is this thing where it's the government. You know, I've there was one guy who had a nice piece of evidence and it vanished off his phone or it was on his desktop. It just disappeared out of the blue. Some people believe that the dog might have a connection with technology as others believe that, you know, government taps into the system and just boots it because they don't want no one knowing the truth. Uh, and then if I had that kind of evidence and I, I've, we've, Al and I have talked about it numerous times. And, um, I, the minute I have evidence for Bigfoot or Sasquatch or, or a dogman, I am sending it to multiple different locations multiple different people that have no clue what it is. They just know that if you get a package for me, put it in a safe. Um, and I'm not going to let people know about it. And I'll have it. I'll have it brought out. But the first person I'm going to with it is Vic. <laughs> right. I got to yeah. be honest. He's going to get the first crack at it and take a look at it. Uh, and then we'll unmask what Vic Cundiff looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about and- mysterious. That's that's a that's still a thing that no one will ever. I, I don't even think any time. I maybe the last episode maybe for his show. <laughs> I, I have a feeling I'm gonna. I put money on it already. But uh, but yeah, no, you know the, the dogman subject. It, it's a wild subject, and I really do recommend a lot of people who are interested in the field to get into it because you're you're gonna be boggled by it, but you're gonna learn a lot about it. But at the same time, you also got to keep your head on on ground, and this isn't your typical 
Squatch. You know, yeah. I have a couple people in the groups that want to hug these things. I'm like, you're stupid. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hug Dogman Day. That would be the, we should make today the Hug Dogman Day. Um, other than Dogman, I mean, uh, on your show, you you do touch on multiple subjects. Are, are you have what's, what do you have in store for the rest of the year? Do you, do you give us a little bit of preview? We have well, we have a few more minutes left in the, in the, in the show. So, um, well. For those, obviously, like I said, like, you know, we brought up it earlier, Crypto Normal X, it's a show on YouTube exclusively. We're trying to get deals to make a, a free iTunes exclusive as well, so it could be both. But right. Uh, right now, I'm just sticking towards paranormal. We're going to have a couple of ladies come on the show talking about Cropsy of New York. <laughs> Not the burning, by the way, the actual legend. The Cropsy, Dr. Cropsy. That's right. Yes. And uh, and then September, we're doing a UK edition where we're going to interview people from either have had encounters with cryptids or paranormal. And then October, we're going to have our 10 episode, five weeks of Dogman Chronicles, a perfect time for the season, and interview a bunch of people. And we already have it all lined up, me and my producer, and then we have, in conclusion, really, we're just going to be doing our typical Cryptid and Paranormal for the rest of the year, following Dogman Chronicles, and then into 2018, For we hope to get some better surprises, maybe a little bit more. See, the thing is, is that since the show's been out for four months, you know, I'm making it, building it up nice and slowly, it gets a nice pace, and not just jumping towards... Oh look, guys! Look what we're going to do this week. We're going to do something big, but you build it up slowly, and then you know you bring a couple guests on the show. They come back maybe a, six months later or to a year later, and they tell their stories again, and they find new evidence, and they share their evidence and new encounters and stuff. And, and you know, it, it goes through a system. It's a flow. Same thing with you guys. What you guys do yeah. on your show, you know, you you always want to make sure when you do a show in general that you you have something that the audience will sit there and be like, okay, this is interesting. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's better to to build up a foundation by going slow. Than and we have to find it interesting as our, ourselves. You know, that's the other yeah. thing too. We're not going to put anything on that we don't find interesting that we don't want to listen to ourselves. Oh yeah, I mean, that's what we're we're about. You know, we like we like meeting uh, newer new people in the field that are just being coming into the field. We like the you know your traditional, uh, I guess, the godfather and godmothers of paranormal. Um, but if it doesn't interest us and it's not worthy of a discussion, um, we're not, we're not going to go there. And 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 that's why we two are we we've been on for for a while now. I think we're doing really well. We have a, we have a nice audience. They like what they're hearing, and we're going to continue to do what we do. Uh, we talk about everything, and it's not always paranormal, mind you. Um, strange enough, it wasn't always paranormal. Uh, but I mean, like, I like your show. I, I've, I've listened to it several times, um, on, uh, on, on, while I'm, I'm doing a couple of things around the house. It's a great, it's a great show to catch. And, uh, other than on the, on the YouTube and uh, Facebook, is there any place else that, uh, people who may have had an encounter can actually reach out to you? Well, uh, I don't put out the crypto normal X email, but they can reach me at two emails. They can reach me at Kaz, K-A-Z, Nuke, N-U-K-E-F-M, at gmail.com, as well as the Anarchist Venom, A-N-A-R-C-H-I-S-T, 
V-E-N-O-M at gmail.com. I don't put out the crypto right. email because uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. I made a typo on that, and that would be a little pretty embarrassing if you ask me. <laughs> you make That's crypto, fine. but you put the you put the Y as the second letter. That makes no sense now. That's what happens when you make an email at, late at night. Oh. Um, Ron, I think Ron but, uh, and I both have been there and done that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Every day, I think. Yes, but we are going to make another email though. So it, right at the moment, though, those are the two major emails. But uh, as well, though, besides there and Facebook, that's basically it. That's where it goes. I mean, I'm always, I always love hearing people's stories as well as I always love telling solo stories. Uh, this week, actually, we're going to be doing an episode on the Stanley Hotel. As everybody knows, if you are a horror fan, was the actual was the ho- location for The Shining, uh, yes. both actually. The TV show and the movie. Um, but they also filmed it up in uh, in uh, St. Andrews, Canada, at uh, a place up there called the Algonquin. I actually stayed there. Um, <laughs> pretty. Oh God bless! They had to go. Um, it would have been great if my father wasn't snoring like a bear. Um, I would have rather <laughs> rather been through the little kid going, "Your dad is snoring really loud." You know, um, it was crazy. But um, it was an interesting place. That's a great place. I definitely, Ron. We should go out there. Let's book a trip. Let's. Uh, to the Stanley Hotel? Yeah, oh yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I was approached about a year ago to be a tour guide there, as a matter of fact, but the cost of living is so incredibly high. Well, it's Colorado. Yeah, it's Colorado, that's from. right. Exactly, it would have been an awesome job, because I really do like that kind of thing. It would have been an awesome job to work at the Stanley, but I, there's no way that I could afford to run out there. Yeah, that you know, and that will preclude you from doing a lot of things these days. Oh, anywhere. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, I've had a fascinating trip uh, down um, Dogman, uh, Dog, down Dogman Lane, and I would love to have you on again, especially when we get a little bit closer to the Mothman Festival and uh, concentrate on Mothman and Owlman sightings, if that's okay with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have, um, and, and you know, again, like I said, you no. Know, have me back on. I'll have you guys on. If you guys want to do both for separate, I'm fine with either or. You know, I love having you guys. You know, you guys are a great uh, duo. You know, it's always good to have fellow researchers get along and respect one another. You know, you don't really catch it a lot nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I would love to go on with Brian. I think that would be a kind of a cool, cool. dynamic. And I'm looking forward to it. But I, I think it's fantastic. And I really do uh, thank you for uh, joining us today on Inside the Goblin Universe or tonight. Um, it's it's fascinating. He has a great show. You got to go out there and listen to Chris his show. Um, it's it's really well done. Chris does a great job uh, interviewing everybody. But again, Chris, thank you again. We can't thank you enough. Oh yeah, and likewise to you guys. You guys have a fantastic setup. I love your show as well, and I can't wait to hear more episodes as well. Thank you guys for having me on. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Very, and we will get in touch with you here probably within a month or so because yes. I will be presenting at Dogman or at Dogman. At, I'll be presenting <laughs> at uh, Mothman, although I will be in uh, CryptidCon in Frankfort, Kentucky on September 9th and 10th, and I will be doing a talk there on Dogman. So a lot of stuff coming up. All this stuff is very pertinent, but I, I, I thank you for uh, stepping on uh, Inside the Goblin Universe with us, and we hope you uh, take another trip with us again very soon. Oh, I would love to. Oh, by the way, before I do go, I, I don't know if you guys heard the news at all. Uh, Brian, you probably heard the news, but uh, Defiance, Ohio, in March of 2018, there's going to be a Dogman conference. I think you guys should look into that. We're, we're still joining out the details now, 
yeah. but yeah. me and Jody will make further announcements furthermore. So that's another event that you guys, I think you should check out. Even if you guys can't even make it, we'll most likely set up a prompter and you guys can discuss there. We have a big, it's, it, we're, we're still laying it out, but you know, we want to make this big, you know, oh, the, hey, the, yeah. we'll make it. We'll make we'll, it. We'll no make worries. It. We'll make and, it. Yeah. And I got I got One of my, my connections also to dogman is I am the state representative for the North America dogman project in New York. So, um, we're gonna to try to get that together. Uh, We're neighbors. I'm NJ. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> I gotta go down there and look for the Jersey Devil eventually. But unfortunately, before we do that, we have, we are almost we are basically out of time. <laughs> all good. So all good, buddy. Yep. Ron, it's Boy. all you. <laughs> all right, oh. folks. Again, we would like to thank our guest uh, for taking us through a tour of uh, some of the fascinating and more nefarious. Uh, uh, attributes of certain type of cryptids that are roaming the woods out there today uh i am one of your hosts my name is ronald murphy i'm brian bowden i am the and host. thanks for, that's right and thanks for stepping on inside the goblin universe with us until next time we'll see you later on vampires the latest book from ronald murphy join cryptozoologist and folklorist ronald murphy as he journeys through history in his quest to uncover the impetus for the archetype of the vampire Begin at the glare of cannibals and travel throughout the dawn of history, exploring images and involving ideas of the vampire. Trace these concepts all the way to the information age. Keep a stake close by. You're going to need it. On Vampires is now available at Amazon.com. Join the Outer Limits magazine at the Freedom Centre, Preston Road, Hull, on Saturday the 9th of September 2017, when we shall present a conference titled 70 Years of the Modern UFO Era, featuring the very best in British paranormal investigators, researchers and authors. From Hull, Mike Covell will look back at over 70 years of ufology, highlighting some cases going all the way back to 1801. Bridlington's Paul Sinclair, with his lecture on the still-developing Wilsthorpe Blue Saucer incident. Following our lunch break, Russ Callahan will present a video reappraisal of the last 70 years of ufology. Associate Outer Limits magazine editor Malcolm Robinson presents UFO hotspots from around the world in this new for 2017 presentation. Our headline speaker is Philip Mantle, the former director of investigations for Bufora and a former UK representative of MUFON, presenting a review of his almost 40 years of investigations. Don't miss the never-before-seen film of a possible Roswell UFO incident witness, featuring a former US deputy sheriff who claims he witnessed bodies at the, at the site. Tickets are only £10 each and available from the Outer Limits magazine website. You can find the link to this on our Outer Limits magazine Facebook page. Or simply email theouterlimitsmag at gmail.com to receive the link. All this for only £10 each? What are you waiting for? Don't miss out. Tell your friends too. Come and be informed.